0: Another Way to Play, episode 53.
1: This is Evan Holiday, host of the Monumental Podcast and founder of Holiday Ventures. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my friend, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by
0: freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the 9 to 5 rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is another way to play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is another way to play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is Evan Holiday, who, like several of our other guests, uh, shares a real estate background uh, to me, and that's how we originally got connected. Uh, He's a real estate developer and investor who's done over $225 million and over 1,300 units of multifamily real estate development and investment. He is the founder and CEO of Holiday Ventures, which is a team that specializes in creating and investing in workforce, affordable and mixed income communities. Uh, They have a mission to create housing opportunities that empower residents to realize their full potential. And he's also the host of iTunes Top 200 Business and Real Estate Podcast, Monumental, where he sits down with top leaders and entrepreneurs to make massive change in the world. Uh, Evan and I have a great conversation today, and there's a couple of things that uh, you're going to want to listen up for. Uh, He talks about A success myth uh, that I I posed a question to him about that, and uh, he brought up the fact that it's not always time to go out as soon as you have an idea or you're uncomfortable on your own, but rather uh, change your thinking and to figure out how uh, you can get paid to learn. Uh, What he meant by that is building up skills uh, through your current job, your current situation that will uh, then allow you to leverage into your own venture, whatever that is. He also talks about uh, becoming crystal clear on your why and your goals. Uh, for him, he, he gets a little bit more into his legacy and impact that he hopes to create um, and, and has a huge big goal of having 100,000 units of workforce housing um, that can then create a ripple effect in the United States through that community. Uh, and then we get into how you intersect both. Uh, having a purpose and a mission in business, as well as making profits and sort of how those aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. Uh, So listen up for all of that. Before we get into the episode, I want to remind you, I would love to connect with you personally. Uh, So if you go down to the show notes, find my Calendly link and uh, check it out, get on the calendar, pick a time that works for you. love to have a personal one-on-one conversation uh, so I can get to know you a little better ask some questions on how to keep improving the podcast and uh, some of the things I should keep doing as well as uh, maybe potentially change. So uh, looking forward to that. And if you do get value out of this or any of the other episodes, uh, please go into iTunes, leave a rating and written review because it really helps me get that feedback I'm looking for as well as helps with the algorithms to get this show in front of more listeners. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with Evan Holliday. Evan, really appreciate you being on the show today, man. It's a pleasure and an honor yes, glad to be on here hans well uh you know we we went through your your bio just a few minutes ago uh before we we logged on, and uh you definitely have uh some interesting stuff that you're doing now, but before we get into that uh let's let's back it up and build a little bit of context and tell the audience kind of where your journey began
1: yeah, man, so it really I like to tell people it got started. Uh, really for me in college, I went down the pre-med route and thought I was going to be, you know, an anesthesiologist and very quickly realized, I was like, you know what, like science and chemistry is just really not for me, but I enjoyed helping people and I enjoyed impacting people. And so that's what really, that's why I was like, well, I, I didn't really know it at the time, but I was like, how can I get that same feeling through some, some other avenue? And I saw this huge development. I went to the University of Louisville, saw this huge development on campus. It was like 55 million dollars, mixed-use student housing. Something about that just gets me pumped up. Gets me like, I want to be a part of that. And found a way to actually, um, you know, convince the owner developer that you know I was worth hiring, and and basically brought a few hundred people out to his groundbreaking. And from there, basically learned soup to nuts, the business of real estate, of development, multifamily, um, new construction, like all of that in one, you know, even like dealing with retail tenants, he had tax credits on there, like it was a crazy deal. And I learned so much from that, uh, that afterward, myself and four other people, we started a modular development company in college. And so basically that means like we would build uh build the buildings off site in a factory we'd use actually a, like a houseboat manufacturing plant in Kentucky they built everything it was the same layout as a houseboat so we're like how can we put these same workers back to work cuz they'd all been 1100 of them had been laid off wow. with the housing market crash so we're like how can we put them back to work build an efficient building off site that we don't have to worry about weather or any delays on site and we can get it on site and build buildings more quickly Um, so we actually started doing that, doing some single family buildings and we're like, well, let's, let's really scale this up and make a bigger impact and do multifamily, um, communities that are mixed income. And so that's what really got us up to the next level. And we're looking for investors, looking for partners and this roundabout game of golf and some, you know, we play around of golf and all of a sudden I have a group, um, saying, Hey, how about you come partner with us? And so that, you know, one thing leads to another and now I am working with uh, really at the time was a quickly growing development group. And now they're one of the biggest in the country and really got to learn about development, learn about affordable housing. Um, We did mostly new construction, multifamily, um, 200 plus unit communities throughout the southeast and really got to cut my teeth there and learn say, hey, this is how you take up from you know, a piece of land, a raw piece of land to like actually building out 200 homes for families that deserve a quality place to call home, but can't normally afford it. That's um, and awesome. So that's, that's kind of the journey in a nutshell. And then now today, I uh, have, uh, have my own company called Holiday Ventures, where we do affordable workforce housing, mixed income housing. We do, do both new construction and acquisition. Uh, and then we have the podcast, Monumental Podcast, mm-hmm. uh, which was a huge part of that growth as well. And then also we do coaching as well.
0: Nice, man. Well, let's um, let's back up a little bit because you've got you've got a lot of a lot of facets to that journey, and I and I, which I think are all worth uh, kind of digging into and pulling the strings on a bit. I think a lot of people, especially in college, like I think back to my time in college personally. And I thought, you know, you have to graduate before you get a job or you right. have to graduate and get the degree or, or potentially get a postgraduate degree, you know, to make anything of yourself uh, in the real estate space or at a high level in general. You saw the the building that was coming up on campus as sort of an opportunity to to jumpstart that. Like, how how did you did you have a doubt in your mind about. I'm just a college kid. He's probably not going to take me seriously. Uh, And if you, you know, and then how did you kind of work through that? If you
1: did, yeah, good question. Honestly, for me, it was you know I knew that I didn't have I didn't have skills or expertise to add value, but I knew that. Well, I take that back. I I realized that one thing I could add value in, and this is actually part of the way I got my job, is I I realized that this is a a new developer to Louisville where, where he was developing, you know, he's from Indiana. He didn't, he'd never done a development there and he wasn't as knowledgeable on the market, the campus, the students, what they prefer, what they want. Mm. And so that was a huge value add being a student. I'd been on campus for a year and a half at that point. I knew, I knew the student body. I knew what people wanted. And so that's why I was like, Hey, I can help you bring people to the groundbreaking. So I ended up getting, Um, you know, a couple of my fraternity buddies to pass out flyers with me on campus and had free pizza at the groundbreaking. And so that's how we got a couple hundred people to come out was just, you know, guerrilla marketing, I guess. Yeah. And and, and so that was a huge value add for him because it got a bunch of publicity, got a bunch of excitement around his project. And that was because I knew the student body. I knew how to market to them. I knew how to get them to an event and also give them intel on what people wanted was something that was hugely valuable to him, especially on the front end when he was actually like picking out the amenity packages and how to put, put together the final layout. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were huge ways that I had added value. And you would think, you are you know, you're like, hey, you know, a, a kid in college doesn't really know much, doesn't really, can't really add much value. But I think there's always a way you can add value. Um, and if nothing else, just pure grind and hustle mm-hmm. and, and adding value there. I mean, that was another thing where, I was like, you know, I'll do whatever, whatever you need me to do. Like I took out the trash, I I did all kinds of random stuff especially at the beginning because I was one of only two employees.
0: Right. Your comment about like you added value without w- without going through sort of the normal channels of like I can I have a skill that you need or I have money that you need or something like that. That's kind of where most people's heads go, but you're like, you saw an opportunity of like, I have market Intel that this guy could never obtain himself. Right. And I have an ability to bring people from the campus to this event. And you're right. Like that is a huge value add. And and especially when then you take it a little further, talking about amenities packages and finishes and what's what the student body is going to pay a little more for or a little less for and making those decisions, those are huge. When you approached this guy, to talk to us about that approach because I think that that is a hugely valuable thing when you're reaching up to somebody that either has a life you want or, or could offer you a job that you want there's a, there's a good way and a bad way to do that approach right like you obviously approached it in a pretty good way or maybe you had to come back a second time i don't know but you'll tell
1: us um tell us what that was like and, and walk us through those steps yeah that's a great question so i actually in a roundabout way got an introduction to him i was it was part of our like rush week at the at the fraternity and it's not too far off of where this development is and i was telling one of our alumni who's you know, very distinguished alumni, like very actively involved in the City of Louisville and and very well respected. And I, you know, kind of in passing. Like I still I knew I didn't want to do pre-med, but I didn't know what direction I wanted to go in. So I just said in passing to him, I was like, Hey, you know, that that development they just announced is pretty cool. Like, you know, I'd love to do something like that if I could, you know, some yeah. offhanded comment like that. And then and I think that goes to like just telling people, hey, this is what excites me, this is what mm. gets me going like talk about yourself in front of others because that can lead to so many other conversations or introductions. So he's like, totally he's like, really? He's like, I actually know that developer really well. He's a good friend of mine and I just got coffee with him, you know, last night and I'd love to make an introduction. I said, wow, like that's, that'd be amazing. You know, and, and yeah. basically he introduced me and it didn't happen right away. It wasn't, you know, like a, a seamless transition to, to, you know, impressing him in the working form, it was, it took time, it took effort, it took me following up. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, time and time again, people are saying, like, that's where the real value is, is yep. when you follow up. So it took, like, he introduced me to the top guy, and, you know, he wouldn't respond for probably a couple weeks. And then he introduced me to one of his regional manager guys who I ended up meeting, you know, then impressing him, and then eventually getting a bunch of people out to the groundbreaking, and at that point, he had already been impressed, but he still wasn't at the point of like, like, yeah, I'll, you know, we'll hire you at this date. Like, it took me probably, I don't know, 20 calls, 20 more calls of like calls and emails of just following up. And, you know, he's a busy guy and I'm probably low on the priority list for him. But it just took that constant follow up. Eventually, yeah. I got a meeting with the guy that was going to manage the whole facility. And, you know, right there, then and there, just on the spot, got a job. But, and, you know, it it took that constant follow-up
0: totally follow-up and there there's a question in in the sheet that i sent you earlier of like persistence versus pestering right like there's like you can be an annoying college kid or you can be someone that's bringing value both from like an email and follow-up phone call perspective but also from some of these coffee dates or lunches or meetings or however they they took the shape like how did you how do you define that uh, now that you're maybe on the other side of that conversation a little bit, but in general, like what approach did you take in that early stage to make sure you weren't just some annoying? college kid asking for a job. <laughs>
1: I, I think I was like on the on the borderline of that, like annoyed <laughs> which is probably where you have to be early on. Frankly. Yeah, honestly and in, in some of these top level people, like, you know, that that's what it takes. And you know, now that I'm kind of what you said is like now I'm at the point where I have people, you know, coming to me asking me for either a job or an internship or even advice or or um or a call. And honestly, what stands out to me and I think what what happened in that situation is like it comes down to persistence and, and not only that, but like confidence in yourself mm-hmm. and confidence in your ability to add value to them. And, and your like burning desire to do something really mm-hmm. comes out if if it's real and genuine. Like I was, I had a burning desire to be in part of that development. I didn't know why, but I was like, man, that is cool. Like I want to do stuff like that. I want to build stuff. And yeah. I was like, I don't know how exactly I can add value, but you know, I I looked at it from the perspective of a student and I was like, hey, I can add value with the student, with the marketing, you know, helping get him in front of a bunch of students. I'm already involved on the campus, but it, it mm-hmm. came down to that like persistence, you know, and also using the all the connections that I'd made previously to that and getting their help as well to reach out to him.
0: Absolutely. And i I've, I I wonder in those engagements, if you ever went into it with um, you know, specific asks of like, I can do this for you, or here's what I can bring to the table, as opposed to, hey, I wanna be involved, what do you need? Because I think that while those might sound somewhat similar, and the latter might even seem like, oh, I'm gonna solve this problem, I'm just gonna do what he says. Like A lot of the time with busy people, whether you're trying to get a job from them or get them on your podcast or just get a mentorship status out of them, you know you have to like asking them what they need is basically like adding homework for them yeah. as opposed to I can do this and this uh, for you like I can help you with your on on campus marketing or I can you know get you out to my audience with your new book or whatever the approach is, and you know you have I think for anybody who's thinking about making a shift or trying to reach up to someone they respect, like that is the first thing you absolutely have to have to get clear on is what value you can provide to them and articulate it. Cause they might say, you know, that doesn't work for me, but this would, and at least, and that's a way easier conversation for that person to have, as opposed to like come up out of thin air and solve this person's problem who just put themselves in front of me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're a hundred percent right.
0: Man, well, that's awesome. so. You took that first uh, job. You you hustled. You followed up. You got in front of the the guy. You got involved with the project, and then you got into the modular world. That is one of those super niche spaces in real estate that almost no one talks. It's kind of like mobile home parks. It's like one of these super niche things that no one talks about. But there's a bunch of people making a ton of money in it. Um, how did you identify that? as the next step and then and then earlier you said we like how did you form this team around yourself
1: yeah um so really the the opportunity presented both both sides of that question presented itself through actually a class i was taking at university of louisville um, it was an entrepreneurship program that they have in the business school and they mm-hmm. literally tell you like hey you know go out and start this company Mm -hmm. and, you know, find an idea, form teams, you know, form teams around that idea and just go out and make it happen. And they, they give you guidance, but it's really, it's, it's like a self-teaching class where you have to, you know, as the semester goes along, you are literally trying to do everything you can to become an expert, Mm -hmm. quickly become an expert in that field. And then also like form a board of directors, form a business plan and form a logical like way to actually make money and, and become a profitable business out of it. Um, and so we, I, I personally, I was like, I was gung ho about real estate at that point. I was already working for the developer. And so I kind of led the charge of like, Hey, let's find something in real estate and let's find something unique and something where we can add tremendous value and, you know, be a a unique opportunity that, you know, will will long-term will be in high demand and be a, something that we would be able to easily get investors involved and excited with. And uh, so we came across this modular idea it was actually already being planned out by University of Kentucky. Their, mm-hmm. um, their professors and their architecture students in their architecture school were already making these plans. And it was really just a conceptual like for a class. But mm-hmm. from a connection we had, we got an introduction to them. And we said, hey, you know, we're virtualizing what you're doing. It was really just conceptual at that point. And the whole houseboat, energy efficiency, design, modular component, like that was all, you know, idealized by their school. We're like, hey, can we actually take that and turn it into a business, commercialize it? And they said, yeah, like, you know, they didn't expect anything to come of it. And so, mm-hmm. and, you know, here we are saying, hey, we actually want to build what you're drawing. And so they were very excited about that. And so we we got the rights to the plans and, you know, our team was basically just, you know, like head over heels, like drinking from a fire hose, like learning about modular, learning about affordable, learning about mixed income, learning about like tax credit financing and, and building out a board of directors with like a developer and a, and a nonprofit service provider and a, and a housing authority and like investors and basically building that out. And then eventually we got to the point where we were going to business plan competitions and actually you know starting to win business plan competitions and it wasn't until then when we're like hey you know like we're having all these venture capitalists at these business plan competitions telling us like hey you guys should do this you should actually do this not like not just talk about it and build out the the uh, paper business plan like actually start building these um and then once you get a track record then we can really start backing you and so that's when the gears started turning We're like hey we really should do this so that's when the the single family came along. Uh and then we we're really trying to scale that up to multifamily. Um and then eventually started working with another group and and unfortunately that slowed down once I left the group. But um it's definitely something that's always been top of mind for me because construction rates keep on rising and yeah. also like it's a it's a great way to have more control over your costs and your timeframe of construction, which is always the biggest variables in construction. So I would love to figure out a way to get back into that. Um, so that's definitely on my radar.
0: Man, that's that's really cool that it started as a business plan. Your your school had a very similar program to, to my school. Uh, I, I was an entrepreneurship major as well. And we had a, a two-quarter class that was like yours, where it was like build a business plan, pitch it, and then you get some money, some seed capital, basically. Yeah, yeah. And then you go execute. Um, yeah. where did you go to court, University of Washington. Okay, right on. And yours, yours is the first one that I've heard of. as such a similar class, so that's really cool that you got you had that experience because I learned a ton from that. That's another conversation for sure. Yeah.
1: Well, I, um, I've told I've told everybody um, that's you know younger than me that's either going into college or in college. I'm like, if your school has a program like that, figure out a way to get into that because. Yep. That like critical thinking, it, it makes you like think on your feet and also be like uber prepared. Because when you're staring at these investors who are worth, you know, hundreds of millions or billions of dollars, and they're like, you know, hey, what about this number? Like, you better have an answer for that or else you're going to look probably pretty stupid. So, yes. yeah, it's, it's being prepared and also being able to present too. I think those are skills that I, you know, have been with me ever since then.
0: Totally. Public speaking skills are huge. And, and you're totally right, like being, being prepared, thinking forward, but then actually getting out in the field and executing is, is so important. I remember our project uh, was beer paper. We basically took beer, uh, what was left over when you made beer, and turned that into paper and tried oh, to sell awesome. that. It was fun, and it was like a niche little product, and we learned a lot. And when we tried to get out to the marketplace and actually sell this stuff, what we thought was going to work really well on paper sure didn't. (laughs) (laughs) And then we had to make a pivot and then we ended up pivoting and making a profit. And anyways, that's not the point. The point is like the the learning of by doing was was the point, man, that's, that's fantastic. A lot, you know, you've had a a handful of ventures just even right in and immediately out of college and you, and you've uh, changed your team around a couple of times and you've been involved in some different teams. Like what, to you is one of the bigger uh, success myths for young people, um, especially people that are kind of coming out of college, maybe in their first or second job, um, that you saw that you overcame personally?
1: Yeah, I would say the two first ones that come to mind are, uh, one is if, you, if you're in, in shoes like mine, where like I've wanted to be an entrepreneur since you know, I was a little kid, and I started that journey in mainly in college, like we talked about. But out of college, like once I worked with that development company, I was, I was more or less no longer an entrepreneur. I was working with a group for a group. If there's listeners out there that, you know, are, are maybe already in their field, um, but eventually see themselves doing their own thing, I think that's a huge thing for me. I was like itching to get out. But then I realized I was like, I was like well, let me, let me learn as much as I can, soak up as much as I can, do as many deals as I can, be involved in as much as I can because everything that I learn here is going to be a hundred times more valuable when I do my own venture, holiday ventures, and I go off on my own. You know, now I now I feel really prepared. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm at this point 29 years old starting this company and and I feel way more prepared than if I would have just on my own taken that plunge and basically kind of learned as I went. So I think that's something to keep in mind. If you're if you're wanting to get into work, sometimes you you can actually speed up your process by learning from somebody else first. And you can still be entrepreneurial in that sense. Like when I was with that company, it was, you know, I was basically running my own team and just relying on leadership for high-level decisions or feedback. But I was more or less day-to-day running my own company. And that gave me so much great, great experience that now I feel beyond confident that my own company is going to be very successful um, because of that experience.
0: Let's, let's dig in on that just a little bit more because I think that's a huge point and I've talked to a number of guests about this concept of like when do you go out on your own and then when is it too soon because I'm in, I'm in San Francisco Bay Area, um, you know, Google, Facebook, all these huge IPOs, all this entrepreneurship conversation is just going crazy here but also all over the country. And I think it's got a lot of people thinking like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to start my own deal. But you're sort of giving a, a piece of advice that I think is really crucial, which is learn as much as you can in the, where you are today, and then use all of that to apply down the road. And, and that's more of a mindset shift than actually making a shift, you know, in your company or your job or whatever. Um, for you how did you know you were ready and then did, was there a moment that you recognized that you weren't ready and and like how did you bridge the
1: gap between the two yeah i think for me it came down to like i had always had that burning itch i think even before i started working with them i was like well you know in the back of my head i was like well i knew that i was going to use this as kind of a launch pad for my own thing um so i knew the time was coming but but honestly finding that right time i think took me a while to understand and figure out. Um, and I think, you know, probably two things happened was, was one, like I, I got to a point where I'd closed 1300 units worth of multifamily developments. And at that point I was like, you know what? And even before that, I think it was at 1100. I was like, let me close this next deal and make sure everything from my business is set up. I have investors, I have potential deals, I have everything set up. So that way by the time i leave i 'm not just like starting from zero, like I actually have a business already formed already ready to to rock and roll and put my full effort into um, once I leave and so I think that was number one, and the number two was I really i invested in myself and I invested in a coach which was beyond valuable um, you know i 've been working with a coach for about a year now and And it's just, it's a game changer on your mindset and how you see the world and how you believe in yourself. Because I think that's one of the biggest limiting beliefs is people don't believe in themselves enough. Mm -hmm. So, and I, you know, I consider myself a very confident person, but I was still felt like I didn't have that full belief in myself. I I played these what if scenarios in my head way too often. And these are, these are, you know, non-created realities in my head of the future. And that was limiting me and and slowing me down from starting my company Um, and and having a coach in my corner just helped me get crystal clear on that. And so that's why, you know, that's why I offer coaching to people now, because I'm like, I want to pass that on to other people because it's it's powerful. Like, I believe everybody should have a coach working with them, you know, just like you had coaches when you were in the Olympics. Like, it's the same, same dynamic. It's, you know, you need to have that in your life and in your business as well.
0: I wholeheartedly agree. I've, I've had, uh, several life coaches in a business coaches and mentors that are more informal, like all of the above. And it's, you're completely right. Having that, you know, and there, there are moments when, you know, you may need to be on your own for a little bit and, but if you're, if you're in between, but you certainly having those people at key moments to help you kind of get to the next level is crucial. And I'm, I don't know how you feel about this, but I've, I'm of the opinion that a coach can take you so far. Like my high school coach was an awesome high school coach, but he was a high school coach. Like he wasn't gonna take me to college or the Olympics, you know, and so I had to step up further and further. So like when you have someone who's helping you start your company, they're probably amazing at starting in that first year or whatever. But once you get some traction, you right. may need to make a change. And having that fluidity in your life, I think, and being willing to be fluid with those relationships is also just as important as as actually just getting the person in the first place.
1: Yeah, and one other thing I would add too is, um, and I think this would resonate with your audience, is that I think another thing that helped me make that jump was a year and a half prior to leaving, I had started Monumental, the podcast that I've, I've been doing for coming up on two years now. And so having that like that marketing machine um, the the becoming a thought leadership platform and becoming a thought leader in my space in real estate multifamily investing tax credits affordable by having that platform it literally opened up so many doors where I was at a point where I was having people come to me you know while I was still with this other group and and they were saying, Hey, you know let me know when you do something i'd love to be involved and I have all these people coming at me saying that and I'm like, man like that just gave me a boost of confidence and also the connections I needed where literally I had people um, as soon as I left saying, hey, I want to be involved. I want to yeah. invest in your deals. I want to partner with you. I want to bring you deals. And so that all happened, I think, mainly because of the podcast.
0: Absolutely. The the platform is huge. and I, I, yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who are just in my friend group or my sphere and, and they're like, why are you starting this podcast again? Yeah. And I have to back up and explain to them basically what you just said. And, you know, it's definitely not a cheap or easy venture. Like you and I are spending time together. We had a whole bunch of time booking, you know, you got to spend some money to to edit and do all this other stuff. But when you can do it consistently over time, it's worth it. And it's, I mean, I can, t- I could give, we could probably both give great yeah. examples of people and relationships that have already come from just the effort that's been put in. Uh, to that to that platform but so you've you've had a lot of these shifts you have started the podcast before you launched you really kind of it sounds like on the side built your business before you took that plunge and then you knew you were ready at a certain point and you just gave yourself a date and you you or, or uh, you closed that last deal that last 200 units and then and then you were off Yeah. Um, what ways are you finding that you're challenging yourself now that you're out on your own, because I think it's one thing to sort of romanticize about it in the safety net of the nest, right? You're at the bigger yeah. company you've got the consistent paycheck or whatever whatever the structure is, um, but now you're on your own, and you're it, it's it's you know sink or swim, so to say and and how how are you challenging yourself and and continuing to work towards those goals now that you're you're the boss basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, um, I would say the biggest thing for me is, is again, having that coach that helps keep me tremendously accountable. And then also I've just become crystal clear on my why and my Mm -hmm. goals and having that clear vision of like, Hey, this is why I'm doing it for, you know, our family, for our legacy and and also for the impact. Like we want to have over a hundred thousand units of workforce and affordable housing, because we know that that's going to have a ripple effect on these families that we're going to serve. And so I, I literally think about that all the time. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I need to be working extra hard because the seeds I'm planting today, you know, especially in development, because these deals take forever to close, but the seeds I'm planting today are actually going to lay the groundwork for this, you know, gigantic impact of a, of a company and also, the people that we're going to serve, you know, 20 years down the road, you know, I'm, I'm thinking at that level where I'm like, okay, 20 years down the road, we want to do this. So today I need to do this amount of impact or this amount of work. And I think that's what really fuels me. Um, also just working with fun partners, like getting to work with some awesome people that are also just as excited and like, as I am, I think that helps too.
0: That's fantastic and and in that vein I I heard you talk about uh you know your impact and in, in your goal of having the 100,000 workforce housing units and how that will have a ripple effect I think especially in rentals and real estate at least in california and some of these other major markets there's a real tension between landlords and tenants at the moment and you know it's like the greedy landlords raising my rent and the tenants being a jerk and he's trashing the unit and like there's this back and forth right um and i think more broadly there's a there's a conversation in the entrepreneurship and generally in the business space around like Businesses are greedy, profit is bad, and then the little man is the good one, right? But you're yeah. sort of aligning, like, I want to serve these people, I want to provide them a great place to live, and, um, and we're obviously going to make some return on by doing that, right? Right. So how do you define that, um, that balance for yourself of you know, having a mission and a purpose that's bigger than yourself and obviously then making profit?
1: Yeah honestly, I, I think they go hand in hand. I think the bigger impact you have the, the more profit you're gonna make um, and the more return you're gonna have for yourself, your company, your happiness, um, and, and overall, like the amount of people you're gonna serve. Like I, I think um, the way the way the affordable program is built now um, and the way it's incentivized is like the the federal government and the state governments basically, they don't like we wouldn't normally build this housing because we wouldn't make any money. We'd actually lose money if there were not incentives in place. So those incentives are typically how, you know, that's why we do what we do is because we can actually get a return on what we're doing and do good by the families and give them a quality place to call home. And not just like a 1960s, you know, literally ghetto style housing. Like we can actually give them brand new quality apartments and do it at a reasonable price point because of these incentives. Um, and so it's, it's pretty amazing. Like, that's why I love affordable workforce housing. Cause I can, I can literally make money, you know, make long-term generational wealth for myself and my family and, and also be able to give all that money away. I mean, that's, that's part of my end goal too, is make a lot of money so I can give most all of it away. Um, and on top of that, like the work we're actually doing in itself is inherently good for families and communities. So I think that's what, one of the reasons I love what I do is because, you know, I can have, I can have both.
0: That's awesome, man. I appreciate you breaking that down for us. Cause I, I think that's an important distinction for people to really think about and to draw for themselves. We're getting towards the end of the time and I want to uh, respect yours, obviously, and, uh, you know. Transition us here to the ending section of the show called the Focus Five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Uh, are you
1: ready? I'm ready.
0: First question: What book have you gifted most
1: often? So I have I have two books um, that I've I've bought like multiple times, like in orders of five or ten. Um, it For Our Work Week and Think and Grow Rich. Um, and then another Mm. one in there is 10 X rule. So that those are all books that I highly recommend if they, if your listeners haven't read that yet, read those beyond like mind changing, just game changing. Um, so those are typically the ones I give out.
0: Agreed. Love all three of those. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why?
1: Um, The first person that came to mind was Mahatma Gandhi.
0: That's a new one for the podcast. Can you expand (laughs) on that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So uh, my back in, in, I was maybe 10 or 11, I did a kind of a book report on him. You know, my mom said over the summer, she's like, if you, you know, if you do a book report on any person you like, then you, you we can go to Kings Island, which is amusement park. And so, so I picked Mahatma Gandhi, and uh, and I just like I fell in love with the guy. And I, I was only like 10, 11 years old, but I was like, wow, like that one guy can have that much impact and make that much change in a nonviolent way, and you know, literally change the direction and course of a country in the course of history. Um, in just his lifetime, like that was pretty powerful, and he and he just did it by like doing marches, and and in a time when most people would immediately get violent. So I think yeah. that, like, learning his story was powerful for me.
0: That's awesome, man. What is one thing that you believe most people would disagree
1: with you on? Um, that's a good question. I would say. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I, I would say that a lot of people forget this. I'll put it that way is that I think a lot of our problems could be solved if we came, if we all came from a place of love uh, and people mm-hmm. often forget that. And, and you also realize like you're in arguments or, or disagreements sometimes and you're like, wait a second. Like, you know, we're all just humans. Like we're all just people in this world, you know, trying to figure it out. Like you just come from a place of love and I bet you, you'll see the world differently and, and hopefully everybody comes from that mindset at, at some point.
0: Fantastic advice, man. Uh, how do you start your day? What's your morning routine look like? Look like?
1: Yeah, it's a, it depends on when I travel, like traveling kind of changes it a little bit, but um, it's typically wake up around 5am uh, do some meditation. Uh, lately I've been doing Dr. Joe Dispenza meditations, mm-hmm. um, which I highly recommend. It's been pretty awesome. Uh, lots of NLP and visualization. And and then I do reading. And right now I'm reading about Andrew Carnegie. It's an amazing guy. Uh, and then and then I do journaling and then I go to the gym.
0: Nice. So you've got a, a pretty full morning routine, kind of like the hell L rod. Yeah, thing exactly. Going on. Right cool. on. Well, Evan, this has been awesome, man. Where can uh, the audience connect with you and find
1: you online? Yes. so uh, the podcast, Monumental Podcast, um, and then anywhere you listen to podcasts and then evanholiday.com. If they're interested in investing, they can go to holidayventures.com. And also uh, if they're interested in coaching, coachwithevan.com.
0: Bam, I will uh, link to all of that in the show notes. Uh, Evan, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Really appreciate all your input and your stories because I think the
1: uh, audience would agree you brought a lot of value today. So thanks yes. for coming
0: on and have a
1: good rest of your day, man. Yes, thank you for having me, Hans. This was awesome. You're so welcome.
0: And that does it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to connect with Evan directly, I've linked down in the show notes, all of his social and uh, websites. Uh, he can be found at evanholidaywith2ls.com and uh, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all that good stuff. And while you're down in the show notes, remember I've got my Calendly link down there and I would love to connect with you personally. Uh, so if you go down there, and take a look. Uh, I will uh, have my calendar open so you can grab a slot. We can have a chat, get to know each other a little better. And I'd like to ask you just a couple of questions about the show, see how I can keep improving it and uh, keep making it better. And if you get uh, value out of this or any of the other episodes I put out, I would really appreciate the support if you could go on to iTunes, leave a written rating and review, because uh, it really helps me get some feedback as well as helps with the Apple algorithm. So without any further ado, we'll log it off. Uh, This is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show reach out to Hans at chief SNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of another way to play.